Prince Gary. This is Shangar. And you're listening to The Bar. Alright, so today we're going to talk about how upbringing shapes your personality. It is a really heavy subject. <laughs> probably the heaviest of The Bar's first season, right, Gary? Yes, it is. Um, probably very personal as well. Um, are you ready for this? Yes, I am. Are you? I think so. Okay. Okay, so I think people don't talk about this much. Everyone just tends to focus a lot more on your actions at present day, what you do, your decision making, you know, um, your drive, what matters to you. It's, it's all quite superficial. People just relate someone's behaviors to something that they're going through right now. You know, it's more like, oh, he's trying to prove something to a girl or you know he's trying to prove something to to his friends right when someone does something that's slightly absurd that's kind of weird you don't know what drives them but i feel not enough focus is paid to the upbringing itself and why they are the way they are yeah, yeah. i mean it's like it's like having access and you you go like that one has baggage <laughs> and so i guess with delving deep into what that baggage really means where did it come from what does it carry what does it represent yeah so i'll start i have two sets of uh, i have a pair of parents <laughs> like everybody else a father and a mother <laughs> sorry um my mother is someone who has affirmed me uh, since i was young someone who always said oh you're the most intelligent person uh, you just gotta work harder and you'll be the top of the class someone who uh, always said oh you're so handsome you're so you're good looking very you affirmative know, very affirmative yeah. since i was young always assuring me always giving me um confidence uh, that that i am great as a person from a very young age ignorantly confident <laughs> Uh, if anything, right? Because I used to just assume that because of everything she said, I guess, but which I didn't realize back then, I used to just assume that I was really good looking. So when I would go to the temple with, you know, with my nice kurta, jipa and stuff, I assumed that all the girls were looking at me. Really? And I was very shy. So I never looked back. I never, I, I didn't even know, right? Until one point I was like, you know what? Mm, grow some balls, right? Look back. Cause, cause they were like really pretty chicks. <laughs> so which, which were they looking at you or the other Lord Ganesh? So, <laughs> so finally, probably only at ten or eleven years old, I look back, and I realized they weren't even looking at me; they were just looking at my direction. And then I picked up and I understood that, holy. No, they're not, right? And and so it, it it was much later on that it all that I processed all this information. I wouldn't lie, right? It took me a very long time to get there. At what age roughly? Well <laughs> in my twenties, man. Wow. Really, it's just this last few years. Um credits to one of my ex girlfriends who made me realize this. Like I didn't have to go to therapy thankfully. Because of I had I had some really good friends and I had her and so it helped me to to find this. So that's one side. So that's my mom, right? In in a conventional sense, a great mother. For an Indian mother's context, the amazing mother. 
right? This is what everyone aspires to be. The mom who provides, the mom who cooks, the mom who affirms you, the mom who's there, works tirelessly for you, sacrifices their their whole entire life. She quit working when my brother was born. I was born 11 years later and she gave everything to us. So in, in that context, a great mom, she did everything she could and she affirmed me. So that's one side. My dad, typical Asian dad, provides generous with how he provides it's selectively but education sure best school go for it you know no problem i'll spend on it so in that sense in that context as well again a very good asian father a very good indian father uh someone that everyone would be like wow you know wow he paid so much for his children to study but not there when we were growing up busy you know making money of course and then um this is really personal but someone who abused all of us verbally physically mentally so um for me he was quite nice he didn't physically abuse me but he was verbally abusive things like why can't you get this right you know why there's so many mistakes are you stupid um, these kind of things that made me feel useless so there's this conflict right there was one person constantly assuring you that you are good that you are great and then there's someone else who makes you question your ability as a human and it's not until many years later and I have to credit Alan the Baton for this he doesn't even know who I am but I look up to him I watch his videos on School of Life and I can tell you it was one video that he had posted right and that's when I was like wow so what he had said that he basically defined that like whatever i told you about one parent being affirmative sweet always there always available always loving makes you feel super ignorantly confident another parent makes you seek for validation and do you know what happens when to a child when these two parents combine either something really great or something very bad it makes the child a people pleaser because this child is confident, he's, he knows he's good with people, he, he has, a, has some level of, you know, like, yeah, I'm alright, you know, people like me, he thinks he's likable. The other side, the flip side of it, he constantly seeks for validation everywhere. Any form of authority that he has to go through, he seeks for validation from his teachers, from his professors, from his bosses everyone he just wants to be known or he wants to be told that he's good enough for what he's doing and i'm 29 this year it's probably only about two three years ago that i realized that all my life i've been a people pleaser and how's that journey been this last three years? I mean, you, you, you had this 
self-realization epiphany moment um have you worked towards working on yourself in some sense or i mean i'm not even thinking of mending that relationship but recognizing what you what you know now are you finding ways to work on that so epiphany um is all is known for that one specific moment you realize something right but but the journey on working towards something does take a longer process it's the start of it yes yeah. it's not like oh wow i'm a people pleaser next day yeah. i'm a jerk <laughs> right so that's not how it works so yes in that context i have um worked towards it uh slowly i'm still there i definitely still have ple- people pleasing tendencies but i've i've also worked uh, towards being more affirmative being able to say no you know that was really hard honestly being able to say no like you asked me if you asked me to make a podcast 3 years ago even if i didn't want to i would have said yeah sure gary because i wanted to please you i want to please everybody but now today this year when we spoke about it i was like yes this is what i want to do so so that's how right and at work as well you know i always wanted to fit in i tried really hard fitting in with my colleagues although i always felt like the black sheep which is really ironic cuz i'm literally the only brown guy in the entire office <laughs> so but yeah like this whole journey and and now i finally reach a point when i'm able to say no i'm able to cuz i've identified my issues as a child all the things i've faced um you know can call me lucky i guess in that sense because a lot of people either do not realize or have not been able to really work on improving that i still have a long way to go man honestly i still definitely have people pleasing tendencies um but i realized that your upbringing really really affects you your personality and your decision making on a daily basis so this sense of self realization have you been channeling it towards a more um constructive positive banner would you say or are there growing pains in, along that process i think a bit of both i i it did make me realize about the issues i have with my father mainly i've even told my mother probably doesn't deserve to hear this but you know that that she should have been harsher to us to some extent i guess or like to to really i feel like it she wasn't I, there to defend you guys she tried in her own context right definitely but yeah um yes afraid right typical again very personal to say this but typical indian mother needs to please the husband Um, therefore if husband goes apeshit on kids just have to watch it can really although she did to to a certain extent but i feel what what resulted out of this is a bunch of kids who didn't really learn life skills who didn't really learn how to defend themselves and didn't really learn how, how to be self sustainable that's the main thing that's what i realize with to some extent we've all been very dependent 
honor our parents because of this. Do you Be- find yourself like liking a form of love, perhaps self-love in some sense? <laughs> Being ignorantly confident, uh, you can. You, it, that felt like self-love, to be honest. That felt like, oh, you know, I, I really like myself. I was very vain growing up. I still am, I think, to some extent. I still have a, a you know, to some extent, like I do feel like, oh wow, what a what a great person. <laughs> that could just be all confidence. <laughs> no, but, uh, but. But right now, if you think about it, do, do you think you relate that you you had the love that you, you needed in your life, for, not just from your parents, but even from yourself? Because I, I'm sure that had an emotional effect. And I like to use the word emotionally abused because though it affects us mentally, emotionally it lingers. And so would you feel that you have come to terms with what is missing emotionally? So I'll address self-love. I think I have been giving myself that and to, to an extent I think I've overcompensated if anything. So I feel this last few years has been about self-preservation. I guess you gotta like, you know, you, to, in order to, to swing the pendulum, you have to first throw momentum to one side. And that's basically what's been happening. I think I've been a lot more focused on myself. I've been a lot more selfish. I've been a lot, I've, it's self-preservation at the end of the day. I always say this these days a lot of the decisions you make on a daily basis is based on self-preservation. So to that, in, to that context, yes, I think I've forced a lot of self-love for myself and it's finally coming to a bit of a balance, realizing things, realizing how I also overcompensated the things I did in order to, to, to fix or to make up for lost time, you know? Um, yeah, it's finally coming. And along that process, did you was there ever a moment you felt that you hurt others in that process? Yes. Of As finding where you are and who you had to be? Yes, especially all the close ones. Um, family, mother, uh, ex-girlfriends, girls generally, friends, good friends. Yes, definitely. I think I did because I started to learn how to put myself first. In context, for someone who's always put everybody else ahead of them, being all selfless, when you start to be more selfish, it you really it sadly has involves stepping on other people's toes. Is there an innate fear within that lingers perhaps that you never want to become like your dad? <laughs> Such a funny question, right? Like no, I'll be honest not just that i think that's my drive being the opposite of him being everything that he's not because i've realized what are the effects of what he is he's in the end he's still a nice jovial person right by the way like he's he has his charm about him he still he's still his kind um he doesn't care too much you know when it comes to family and friends he treats them and all but when it comes to material, he doesn't switch genes for four years. You know, he spends very little, very thrifty. But when it comes to education, it's like, here you go, here's all my money. Um, so there's, there are great qualities. He's very self-made. I respect him for that. Like, like this is not a bashing of my father. Like, he's self-made. He's worked his way from walking out of his house at 16 years old with a pail 
to what he is today, I have huge respect for this person as a human being. Um, but I have learned to be the opposite. So I find myself splurging money, you know, because I'm like, oh, I don't want to be limited. Because I grew up like, we, we went to probably five stores to, to find a PlayStation <laughs> 1 for me. And, you know, uh, and he negotiated his way. So I think over time, all that, all that incidents has built me in a way like, so now when I go, I don't even, I don't even bargain, which is also stupid again on the other extreme of it. But that's what happened. I became the opposite. And therefore I'm like, here you go, you know, free shots for everyone, free drinks for everyone, money's not an issue. You know, it's fine. I need to buy this. Let's get it. So, so that's the result of it. And that's the that's how my upbringing shaped my personality. Going back to your dad, have you ever wondered what led him to be who he became? Has <laughs> a thought ever crossed your mind? Oh, see, we didn't even plan this, right? But your questions are so on point. So yes, I'll tell you why it's on point at the end of this. But um, my dad is anti-alcohol, right? He he completely does not appreciate nor accept. Um, the thought of people drinking alcohol. He has no respect for people who do. He doesn't even know that I do um, until today. That's just that's just because I respect him and I don't want to drink within his um, home. How What he sees against alcohol comes from his upbringing. Because when he was young, his parents would drink, get drunk, hit each other, hit him. And that traumatized him his whole life. That until today, he cannot accept that alcohol can do any good in his life because that's what it did to him growing up. Again, to shape his personality, his upbringing played a big part. Also, when he was young, um, when, he was, when he was doing odd jobs, his brother-in-law once brought him back to, their, to his uh, sister's house, their, their home. And it's at night when he was asleep, his sister asked, why did you bring him? You know, and he heard that. And that's, that's also where he had the idea that you can never, ever, ever rely on anyone, which is why he's, that's driven him to be so independent. And now 66 years later, he still doesn't like the idea of depending on anyone. Maybe except my mom at this point, but yeah, he hates it. He. he the day that I spend on anything for him is the day that he, you know, he's just, he's not going to be able to accept it. So, yes, <laughs> that's his upbringing. That's how, and that's what shaped his personality. Very stubborn, very self-reliant, um, very temperamental, and completely, absolutely against the thought of alcohol. You know, there's a saying um, that goes something like, uh, we are paying for the sins of our fathers, and then the next generation will pay the sins for their fathers. Um, it's not necessarily a bad thing, it's just they, they adapt to what they want to keep in their life and retain, and what they don't, they, they remove, and it somehow transpires and translates to that version of their next of kin. It's, it's, a, it's a heavy topic and I have to thank you personally for, for sharing this. I also want to talk about, so like, 
and daddy issues right so technically i do have daddy issues so i guess i have i am in the right place to comment on this um but what comes to mind is a quote from alan debaton he said love your children and they will be able to outgrow you ignore your children and they will be obsessed with you for life and i think that's a really profound statement because basically um in the lives of people where their parents are either absent or you know they haven't been there or you know whatever you know like all that stuff right like parents who have negative effects on their kids the kids will live their whole lives either trying to figure out why what's wrong with them try and make themselves you know compensate for all the times they've lost which essentially you know causes which shapes their personality until until a much later state of their lives when they start realizing all these things and they start closure closure is one of the most important things i have heard and some most people don't get it right like for me a closure would be my dad apologizing to me but do you think that will ever happen but also is that really what you seek for right sometimes we think that's what we seek for and when we get it it's not exactly what we want yeah correct but but i think that's the thing i think closure is something you have to give yourself but you won't realize what you need True. until you realize that you need that it's it's kind of saying which i i use in a lot of my talks is that your upbringing doesn't have to define who you can be the only person who's standing in your way is yourself i i think many of us live by a tenet that is passed down from one generation to the next and we're all just searching for what is our ikigai and what brings meaning to our lives. Yeah. So I think if we start realizing um there's a lot more. This 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 topic can really be explored further with much more depth in it for sure. And again, you know, it's, this is the introduction and I think it's really too heavy. But I think essentially what I've realized is a lot of the actions a lot of the decision making that you take today and how your personality is essentially comes back to the upbringing that you had as a child yeah and you know just based on your sharing i don't think we we ever really learn to defeat our demons we merely learn to live above them strange in one said to doctor strange <laughs> on that so, note till the next time take care bye